Good evening. Thank you for coming on this snowy day. It's good to still gather. I went to the landfill today and that lady didn't even want to be there either. She said, what are you doing here? I want to go home. So I'm glad somebody showed up tonight. Speaking this morning, um, this morning early I was reading a verse in Jude where he's talking about the last days. Basically, there's going to be all kinds of giving of yourself over to lust and whatever else the spirit is offering out there. And there's going to be those who will give themselves to that fully. But not all have to. And I, I, that verse caught my attention, and it went away. I had it here saved. Uh, <clears throat> there, um, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, right in the midst of that that is happening on the one side, you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There's mercy that God gives for this days. And there's also keeping power that is available for us to get a hold of and ask God to keep us from all those things that are have a tremendous attraction and a tremendous pull. But it also says, you keep yourself in the most holy faith. So God has a keeping power that can't be defeated, but you also have, what Brother Bill has said many times, the ability to go before him and offer yourself and say, God, I need your help today. Uh, if it's not for your strength that can keep me today, I won't be kept. And that, that does take a presenting yourself every day and going before him and offering yourself to receive help. Offer yourself to receive the help of God that you need and I need in order to be kept in a day when the enemy is trying to do everything he can to pull you down, discourage you, to destroy your life. But God's power is greater than that. Because he does want his life to come forth in us. And so, um, you know, um, it's good if we offer our hearts to him and say, Lord, keep us by your power. We make ourselves available so that you can give us the strength that we need to be able to walk through the midst of this world that is, we, as we know is not out there. <laughs> but in all the things that we face each day, those things are in our heart that try to discourage us. It doesn't have to be the big, evil, ugly, lossful things that pull us away from God. It can just be those things that are in your heart working at you every day. If you don't divide yourself from that, that has just as much pull. But there is a power that is greater than that to keep us today. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for this time to be together, Lord. Thank you for your power available to us tonight, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to speak to us, what you're speaking to us, Lord. We open our hearts to hear from you tonight, Lord. Anoint 
the word, anoint the worship, Lord, that you would uh, find every heart here open to the specific help that you have for us tonight. Amen. Let's gather.
yesterday, um, I think, yeah, yesterday morning, uh, uh, Brother Ron brought a really good devotion. I, I, I think I, uh, I don't know if this is right, but I think I tend to measure, uh, excuse me, I need to get this on. I think I measure devotions by, sometimes at least, or message uh, by the level of uh, provocation that comes through it, uh, the level of challenge. Because I think when we talk about uh, the gospel, I think if it's a living gospel, it's got provocation uh, to propel you forward, to reach uh, not and you know there are times we run into vanity it's happened a couple times in my life that the Bible says we've been subjected to by God uh, in hope uh, I think the devil uses <clears throat> your particular human traits and characteristics as weapons to uh, discourage or to cast down or whatever but uh, and it's not as though you uh, avoid those things that that are that you still find yourself in but when the Spirit of God comes through it provokes you and it shows you uh, perhaps where you are and the need to propel forward, to move forward. Uh, but, it, but it comes with hope. And I think that's the difference. He subjected us to vanity in hope. And I think uh, listening yesterday, I was provoked listening to what came through the message because I, I um, <clears throat> and I blame Sister Betty for this because once in a while she, gets, she wants us to read 1 Corinthians 13 and I wish she just... I ripped it out of my Bible because I thought, well, it's a problem. Um, and what do you do with problems? You get rid of them. <laughs> um, but it provokes you because of the characteristics that are listed there. Um, and it presses you to go beyond. And, I, and I, I think that's the greatest danger for all of us. I think that's the greatest danger in this world. And that is that the influence of this world, whatever that means, has a, the capacity, if you're not being propelled by the Spirit, or provoked, or to move forward, I think the, the um, influence of the world has the ability to uh, cause you to water down uh, actually where God's interest is to take us. Uh, the dissipation of energies or the dissipation of your thoughts or the dissipation of, uh, of what you, uh, your actions or what you're wrapped up in uh, all day um, where, where God becomes an afterthought rather than the primary thought and I liked uh, something I think Brother Bill referred to it maybe recently um, and it's uh, 
I think it's, I think it was November, I didn't write it down. I think it was November 24th, something that T.A. Sparks said. But he, he described the purpose of God as God's utter thought. Uh, the fullness of God's thought for us. And I think that needs to be presented to every single one of us on an ongoing basis where uh, we are, if it's the genuine, if it's a genuine living gospel, then it should provoke us to say, Lord, I am not there in experience yet, but I know your intention and your commitment is to get me there. Um, and, I, and I think that is so important for all of us to not be... Uh, the tendency of the, the world is just to lower the bar. And, and God is, that never lowers His standard. Uh, he, he shows us that we can't get to it without Him, but He still presents it before us so that actually we are provoked that we are a people that have really a, a, a destination, a place that we're, we have in front of us that we're looking to. And um, you and I uh, should be provoked to get there. <laughs> Gabe, thank you, said yes. I don't know, with the rest of you understanding the need to be provoked, the living gospel should provoke us to get out of our, our current um, malaise, <laughs> our current Christian experience. There's nothing more di disastrous to me or depressing to me to see myself as a, a, um, a Christian that fits in with the world or that fits in with the denominational system or that fits in with, with <coughs> the distinction with, with Jesus was that he lived his life in a way that was so fully dependent it, was, it provoked others that were around him, at least those that, you know, three and a half years, when you, one of the worst things he ever said to the, to the Pharisees, he said, he said, I am from above. You are from beneath. What do you think of that, fellas? Um, and, it, and, 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 the, and provocation occurred. Right? And, um, but they didn't, they didn't get the message. It was a good message. It was a solid message, right? Uh, that he gave them that there's some place else to source yourself from. That I am the very representative in front of you of what it is that a vessel that's emptied and is sourced only by his heavenly father. Um, so... Uh, he says that in, uh, let me see, I'll read it. Looks like you need a Bible verse or two, something. All right. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a new Bible, but I, I think it's the same. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as many as received in John 1, 12, uh, this is a very, very, very familiar verse. To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And this is 13. Which were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
it didn't provoke you as much as I thought, was hoping for, right? Because do you understand what this is saying? They're saying you too are born from above of God. Uh, and and it, there's other places it says it. Um, he, I, I already referred to it when he's referring, when he's talking to the Pharisees. Uh, and and then it, it, there's more places. But the point would be this, that the framing that you have on any given day should be this Bible verse, that, in fact, I have been born from above, of God. That should be the frame. That frame is very uncomfortable. Because that frame of being born of God doesn't allow you, if it's working, to stay in the same place. And that is so, uh, I think, what's on my heart this evening. Uh, God, I don't want to stay in the same place. I've had some great experiences in my Christian life. But even saying that is an upsetting thing. Because the, the accumulation of good experiences, or, or people say this about life, well, we're just forming good memories. And I think, oh, how wretched that is if that's the summation of, of, of God himself birthing in us by himself, by his spirit, birthing in us a whole new creation. Wouldn't it propel us and provoke us to say, there is a new creation that I have not yet experienced the fullness of. I've had some tastes of it, and it, and it is good. And I've seen um, others that have, you, you know, there's been manifestation of it, but, but a couple manifestations, or a few, or even 30 years of once in a while, or, or getting up and rehearsing a testimony of this one time that this happened, uh, it doesn't do it. And, I mean, there's a provoking in the world, right? Isn't there a provoking going on in the world? To, to make something of yourself. Which is, the, which is the very antithetical position of the gospel of God. It's the very antithetical, antithetical uh, place of, of the intention of God for you. Um, but he does, he is committed to making something uh, of those that he's called, of those that have been born of God, from above. Um, and I like that term, utter thought. <laughs> the fullness of of God's thought. Um, so that's what's going on in God's heart. And, and the reference would be uh, in Romans, we don't have to turn there, but in Romans 8.29 is that, and, um, is that he, he intended from the very beginning uh, it's, you know, follows that 828, all things work together for good to those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. But then 29 says, uh, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. And, I, and that, is a, that is a description of God's thought for you and, and me. 
Um, and I, th I, I was thinking, this, you know, the famous scripture that we know about in Proverbs chapter 29, it's, a, it's in verse uh, 18, that without a vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. I thought how significant it is that you and I have presented before us, and, um, and the Spirit of God is good at this. It, it, it doesn't... The best thing that happens from the pulpit is if you're provoked with the vision that God has for you. Uh, but that, thank God, it's not confined to preaching or message all day long or often the, the Spirit of God is there to provoke you to a place where you say, I am, the thought of God is to conform me to the very image of His Son. That is the thought of God. As a matter of fact, that vision I need, I think it was uh, Amy uh, Greer was up here recently, I can't remember when, maybe it was last week, I don't remember, but she said a few things that I thought were so important. What would it be like if I was never offended by what somebody else did? We've had a lot of words on forgiveness, which I think is very important, uh, unforgiveness being very, uh, a very significant stopper, and uh, I think John Cheever says there's two uns, and one is unbelief, and the other is unforgiveness. I totally agree, but I think also, wouldn't it also be good that we weren't so self-absorbed that we are offended by so much? Uh, and something else, I, I, don't, I can't I don't remember all that, all that was said. I just remembered when Jesus said to his disciples, I'm not going to say much more to you right now because the, the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. And I think, that is provoking. Is that not provocative to your heart? And, and what I'm, what I'm con concerned about is that the provoking of the world will water down the provoking of the Spirit of God that's going on, our immersion in what we do, or, and, 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 and God is the only one that knows how, uh, how to teach us to walk through this life. <coughs> to be in this world, but not of this world. To walk in this world of God. Um, and, and so uh, it says in that, in that passage in Proverbs 29, 17, um, the previous verse, before without a vision, the people perish or cast off restraint. That means we've heard that for a long time. But in, in uh, verse 17, it says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. He shall give delight unto your soul. Um, and then it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. You understand, when correction is going on, you need vision. When you are being dealt with, you need vision. Because you say, God, is His utter thought for me is to change me into the image of His Son. And I... I, I is it bothering anybody that you seem like you go too slow at this? I don't mean that God goes too slow. Right? I don't, I don't have doubts that God, you know, sometimes I sit and I joke with God. I don't know if he laughs or if he likes my jokes. Because I sit and I say, Lord, I, I don't know what to say. Do you know what to say? Well, that's a joke. Because I know God knows what to say. But that's not where I, that's not the questioning point, right? The questioning point is my receptors. 
That's what I wonder about. Will I be alert to know what he wants to say? Or what he wants to say to me? Or what he wants to say over there or over there? Or, um, it's a wonderful exercise. And even though I, I, I dislike it a lot, uh, because it's very uncomfortable, but when um, I was in Peru, um, you know, they like a lot of services. And Abel explained to me the problem with that. He said, oh, you know, they think many services is going to make them better. <laughs> and that's not the answer. <laughs> um, but when you have five services in a row that you must speak at, and it's the same group. And um, so you have like a fear of saying the same thing over and over five times in a row or whatever. I mean, it's a good exercise because uh, I realize how dependent, because I have the, a lot of conversations and with God and say, um, I don't know what to say. And sometimes it's in a praise service, which makes me nervous. And sometimes it's while I'm walking after the praise service up to the pulpit. And that makes me nervous. Um, why are you laughing at that? I don't think that's funny, do you? Not funny. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to be offended by anything anymore. <laughs> But while you are corrected, you don't receive it because somebody preached to you that correction is good. You receive it because you have a living vision working in your heart of where I want to go. And not where I want to go necessarily, but where God wants to take me that I've said, yes, I want to go there when I'm in my right mind. And I have noticed that when he starts to take me there, I, I say, what's going on? Right? Well, correction can kind of create a, a little tension in our hearts. Um, but so then it says over in uh, Hebrews 12, uh, we know that. We don't necessarily have to, have to look there. But it talks about every, every son that he loves, he, he chastens. And he corrects and he scourges everyone that he receives. It's strong language there. Uh, but that's really um, the way that God brings forth um, this process of conforming us to the image of his son. He uses correction. He uses direction. He uses scourging even. Um, and it, those are unpleasant things. Um, it, there's a funny, funny misunderstanding of standing in the presence of God, I think. I mean, I like to stand in, in a praise service when you sense the anointing and the richness of it and all that. But it's also in the presence, the presence of God is when you're being corrected. And it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, because he's taking you some, you have to reach, it's like a reaching. Paul says, I press, <laughs> you know, I press to the mark. I'm reaching forth to what it is that God is 
made real in my heart. So, I, you know, sometimes you do that funny thing where you, you know, you open the Bible, Lord, I want to read the right verse, and close your eyes and you point to it. You ever, anybody do that? I mean, people have made jokes about it, and, you know, they, they point to, uh, you know, Judas went out and hung himself, right? And then go and do likewise, that's the great denominational joke. <laughs> uh, because we try to use magic on reading the Bible, I know. But I did. It really works good on a phone. If, or an iPad, which I read in the morning. And so I closed my eyes. And, and you can scroll with your eyes closed. Right? Yeah, you can really get... It's, a, it's another level of magic that is not available in this. You know, because you can scroll, you can stop, you can go again, you can this, that, and the other thing. So I was doing that because, I guess because I'm immature still. Um, but I, 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 I turned to Zephaniah 1, and it's a wonderful passage that explains the, the utter thought of God. That he wants to get rid of everything that isn't Christ that's at work. You can read it for yourselves. I don't want to read all those verses. I may have even wrote them down, some printed them out or something. But God is after getting rid of everything that is not Christ. Everything that you and I still traffic in, in whatever that means in our thought life or in our relating or how we conduct ourselves in a day. Or, he wants to get rid of everything that is not Christ. Um, and that's what the whole pa that's what the passage is about. I mean, it's pretty dramatic the way it says it. I'm going to take that. <coughs> he said those, it's the passage where it says, those that worship and serve the Lord and also worship Malcolm. Uh, have you read that verse? Um, okay. It's a good verse. And um, we used to have an elder here named Malcolm. But it was just... It, it says, I'm going to get rid of those that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, them that worship and swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm, them that have turned their back to the Lord, that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. Um, he, he's getting us out of that. And we ought to be thankful for that. Someone ought to say, thank you, Lord, that you're getting me out of that. Where I've had two kind of worship services going on on any given day. Right? So, um, and that, that's what the cross is all about, right? The cross is all about that you and I allow the Spirit of God to redirect us, take us someplace out of perhaps where we still have lingered that is not Christ and brings us into the fullness of what God is really intending. So that's what the cross is all about. And there's, there's a bunch of scriptures, you know, we don't have to turn to them about the cross. Um, but there's one in particular um, in Mark, and it's the account of the, the rich ruler. I think it's the rich young ruler. 
I don't know if it says it here in this particular account, but one of the Gospels says rich young ruler. It was, uh, yeah, this is rich young man. It says in my, the heading here in Mark 10. And when he was gone forth into the way, uh, there came, this is uh, Mark 10, verse 17. Uh, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And um, so he was at a certain place in his life. He had some good experiences in his walk. He, he hadn't committed adultery and apparently he hadn't killed anybody. Um, doesn't steal. All that, that list. He said, I've observed these from my youth. And then it says in verse 21 that be, Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, there's one thing you lack. He said, go your way, sell what you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and, and follow me. And um, I just want to read something about the cross. And this is from uh, November 28th. Maybe some of you read it in that open windows thing. And um, he starts out, I don't know what the translation is. He reads the Bible verse. This is... Uh, T.A. Sparks, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself, carry his cross every day, and keep close behind me. And it says, the cross is applied to according to every man's makeup. What would be the cross to me might never be the cross to you. And the cross may mean something different for every single one of us. It's universal and central. It touches us all perhaps in a different way and it raises questions and issues for each one of us peculiarly. How do you say that? Peculiarly. Is that right? Okay. That is our challenge of the cross. It's a matter of whether we and what we are will come and allow the cross to work on our life, to deal with us. It is no use our saying, What's he doing or what's she doing? The Lord says, what is that to you? You follow me. There's a personal, individual, shall I say, private application of the cross to every one of us. And our spiritual growth depends entirely on the cross doing its work in us and our response to it personally. I think that is so important to understand that every single one of us must have a vision of what God is doing in each one of us in a specific way. I have a specific cross that comes into my life. I have a specific chastening that comes into my life. I have specific things that get me. Um, and it's amazing. You, you look at somebody and you say, why do they get upset about that? Because there's something that doesn't upset me at all. And then I, something else, which seems like totally inconsequential and small, 
I want to blast through the roof because it gets me. It's the places where you are gotten that are very important. It's not something that you want to decorate and bury. It's something you want to say, God, I know you are after me here. This thing that perhaps if I could avoid, I would. Have you ever been in a conversation and you, 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 10 minutes into it, you realize you have stepped into the same trap that you've been in before and you, um, you say, oh, I'm in that trap again. And then later you're trying to talk to the Lord about it and you say, well, Lord, would it not be easier if you didn't set that trap for me? Wouldn't that be easier on both of us? God wants you to be free when the trap is there and not to step into it. How about that? And he wants you to know that he must set the trap there for the efficacy of his cross, your particular cross, this efficacy and confirmation that it's working and growth is occurring because when you would have continued in that particular trap and route that you've made a rut in some cases that you make for yourself um, or that I make for myself that God wants you to, 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 to find out that apart from him you can't get past this and that it requires um, uh, you and I to come in to say Lord I uh, thank you for bringing this up again because you want me to know that well for one I can't get out of it without you but for two that you want me to get out of it how many of you know God wants you to come into this image of his son that is God's desire. It don't, don't, don't get into a cycle of uh, over and over uh, doing the same things and think that's okay with God. It's not okay. He wants you to grow up. He wants me to grow up out of something. That is, that is the truth of the gospel to change us. He does. And I don't know when it happens. I'm not in charge of that. And I don't know how many times I've got to step into that trap. I just know that the, the intention of God is to conform us to His this image of his son. That is his very intention. And so he wants me to get out of that. And Lord, if I needed to step into it again, God, can this be the last time? Well, I don't know. I do know this, that I am provoked. I'm provoked to get out of where I've kind of leveled out. Places where I just leveled out. Um, it said I would ask you for one thing only namely not to close your heart to this not to say that's a teaching but just to ask the Lord is this right taking an attitude simple, simply and honestly before the Lord even should you feel it is not true and so leaving room for the possibility um, after all, uh, might spring from you. Well, let me, I don't want to read all that. It's just hard to stop. Lord, I do not see. <laughs> it's difficult for me to believe, but 
if this is true, Lord, then I want to be open to the truth and I want you to take me definitely in hand on the ground of this truth. Will you take a very honest and open-hearted uh, look toward the Lord in this matter of the cross? I think that is where I would like to encourage us all where we are gotten. That is where we want to take a good look and say, God, I don't want to be gotten there anymore. I know you brought this up again because I'd like to leave it. But I know you bring it up so I can grow and get out of it. Um, and I want to make one more point. I'll be finished. But in, in Hebrews chapter 4, And I never saw it this way. I don't know why, but but Hebrews chapter four is is uh, the chapter in uh, verse. Let's see, read ten through twelve, and it's talking about ceasing from our own works. For he that has entered into his rest, nine says there remains a rest to the people of God. It means he ceased. He also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And it goes on, verse 12. For the word of God is quick or living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is quite a, uh, that's quite a, um, a, a power to divide. That is quite a, a capacity of the living word to divide asunder in us what is not Christ and bring us into what is Christ. Um, to know even the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How about that? The intents. Divide what is soul and spirit. How important is that? Because sometimes I feel great. And it may have nothing to do with spirit. It might just have to do with I just exercised or I just had a cup of coffee or, I, uh, or something. But I feel better so I must be Okay. And I need, I need, uh, really I need the impact of a, the living word, yeah. which is the person of Christ uh, uh, interrupting me or intersecting me. Right. And, but this is what I, I thought, well, this, this is what I have to have because I can't divide. That's why I stepped into the trap because I can't divide. Because I think this is where I get most into trouble and mostly step into the trap. When I am assured, I feel right. Isn't it awful when you feel right? You don't just think right, you feel right. You have the wind of feeling. And you need this, the living word that is able to divide between soul and spirit. Just because I feel right doesn't mean... The Spirit of God is working there. Something else. Um, 
So then it says in 13, there's no creature that's not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open to him. But then it goes on, and it's a famous passage, but I just thought of the last verse, verse 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I thought, you know what the context of that is? The context of the, is the previous verses. Well, you approach unto God and you know what happens? Division starts going on. Dividing asunder between what actually is soul and what is spirit. Dividing asunder what is of him and what is just out of me. And you know, I think that's why a lot, a lot of times we don't want to get too close. Because it's, un it's very uncomfortable when God starts dividing. But it's wonderful <laughs> when the work is, is done in us. It's wonderful. I, and I've had funny, I, I don't know what the image you have of coming boldly to the throne room of grace. It's not, it says to find help in time of need. It doesn't say to feel better. And sometimes I just want to feel better. But really the help of God is when the Spirit of God impacts us and divides us under between what is Him and what isn't. What is Christ? And to separate us from everything that is not Christ. Um, God is very committed to this singular, <coughs> utter thought, singular purpose, to make us into the image of His Son. Amen. Okay. Okay, I guess we're going to close. Any announcements tonight? Anything we need to hear? Okay. Well, Dave Brown, would you like to stand and close us?